This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Here we go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's time for another brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am your host, Andrew for America. And today I'm going to get away from the news. I'm going to get away from all the shit that's going down in the world right now. And I'm going to take it back to philosophy and self-reflection and contemplation today. I'm going re- to read some poetry to you from the Poetic Outlaws. I'm a paid subscriber on Poetic Outlaws. If you are not familiar... Uh, They are a website that shares a lot of deep writing, philosophical, psychological writing, uh, stuff that makes you reflect and reminisce about the past and just, uh, you know, uh, be present in the moment, thinking about concepts, longing for things, being romantic, experiencing love and joy. I feel like all that kind of stuff is slowly sipping slipping away slowly you know being removed from society and I don't like that I don't want that to happen I don't think any of us really want that to happen some of us may be aware that that is happening some of us may not but today I'm just gonna passionately and dramatically read some poetry to you And I hope you like it. If you don't, it's cool. Just don't listen to this episode. I'm sure I got many others that you will find right up your alley. And speaking of my amazing listeners, for a brief moment here, I have uh, recently discovered, I have recently been informed that I have listeners and fans and followers that are not liking and following on the social media because, quote, they're too afraid to be seen liking a page such as mine, unquote. Maybe it's for professional reasons. Maybe it's for personal reasons. You don't want your family to know uh, what you're consuming, what kind of media you're consuming. Maybe you have the propaganda fear campaign, fear porn in your brain about, you know, what a a stigmatized domestic terrorist, truth seeker, conspiracy theorist is. You know, maybe, I mean, that's what, it's, that's what the programming is there for, to make you think about people like us in a very demonized 
ridiculed, mocked, specific way. It's happened throughout history. Socrates, Plato, every philosopher, anyone that had a revolutionary idea that went outside the orthodoxy and was outside of the status quo, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times of that era. Uh uh uh. There's an old Turkish proverb that this uh, reminds me of. He who speaks the truth had better have one foot in the stirrup. <laughs> That's some uh, sage, ancient wisdom right there, my fellow Americans. So that's what we're going to do today. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. Go to patreon.com slash andrew for america Become a subscriber or a patron. It's very inexpensive. Get my uh, subscriber-only content there. Uh, if you want to check out my music, soundcloud.com uh, slash andrew for america 1984 Follow the Politics and Punk Rock podcast on Facebook. Join Andrew for America Comedy and Commentary private group on Facebook. Uh, Going to hit this commercial, and I'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, people, welcome back to the show. Um, If you are a regular listener, uh, you know that I talk a lot uh, from time to time, I have lately anyway, about this idea of looking inwardly and going, you know, the idea of going to war with yourself and focusing all of your emotional um fear-based, irrational decision-making that we all participate in. Sometimes we make good, constructive decisions. Sometimes we make bad, irrational decisions that we will probably regret, right? Um, But so today, with that being said, uh, you know, I just want to kind of dive into what I mean by that kind of stuff when I say, you know, Andrew for America, what do you mean when you say look inwardly? Like, you want me to meditate? You want me to, to you know, what do you mean by go to war with yourself? And, it, it, you know, it, it means a lot of different things to different people, it seems. And maybe I don't explain it very well. And maybe because I don't sp- explain it very well and um, people hear me say it all the time without explaining it, maybe that's pushing people away from my show. I don't know. But... I'm going to try to explain what I mean by that today a little bit. And it really just goes back to doing the work of reading and learning and thinking. 
Here we go. This is from Mikel de Montaigne, who was Lord of Montaigne, one of the most significant philosophers of the French Revolution. You can look up a lot of his quotes online. There are many. But I want to read you a written work by him entitled On Solitude. Just uh, sit back, relax, grab a beverage. Just kind of mellow out. Allow yourself to receive new information. Become open-minded for uh, this short period of time. Uh, the length and duration of the show today. Okay? And just listen to this stuff. Think about it. No big deal, right? Just let it swirl around a bit. Here we go. Our disease lies in the mind, which cannot escape from itself. Tis not that a wise man may not live everywhere content and be alone in the very crowd of a palace. But if it be left to his own choice, the schoolman will tell you that he should fly the very sight of the crowd. He will endure it if need be. But if it be referred to him, he will choose to be alone. Our disease lies in the mind, which cannot escape from itself. And therefore is to be called home, and confined within itself, that is the true solitude. And that may be enjoyed even in populous cities and the courts of kings, though more commodiously apart. It is not enough to get remote from the public. Tis not enough to shift the soil only. A man must flee from the popular conditions that have taken possession of his soul. He must sequester and come again to himself. Now, since we will attempt to live alone and to waive all manner of conversation amongst men and women, let us so order it that our content may depend wholly upon ourselves. Let us dissolve all obligations that ally us to others. Let us obtain this from ourselves that we may live alone in good earnest and live at our ease as well wives children and goods must be had and especially health by him that can get it but we are not so to set our hearts upon them that our happiness must have its dependence upon them we must reserve a back shop, wholly our own and entirely free, wherein to settle our true liberty, our principal solitude and retreat. And in this we must for the most part entertain ourselves with ourselves, and so privately that no exotic knowledge or communication be admitted there there to laugh and to talk as if without wife, children, goods, train, or attendance to the end that when it shall so fall out that we must lose any or all of these, 
it may be no new thing to be without them. We have a mind pliable in itself that will be company that has wherewithal to attack and to defend, to receive and to give. Let us not fear in this solitude to languish under an uncomfortable vacuity. Solitude seems to me to wear the best favor in such as have already employed our most active and flourishing age in the world's service after the examples of Thales. We have lived enough for others. Let us at least live out the small remnant of life for ourselves. Let us now call in our thoughts and intentions to ourselves and to our own ease and repose. Tis no light thing to make a sure retreat. It will be enough for us to do without mixing other enterprises. Since God gives us leisure to order our removal, let us make ready, truss our baggage, take leave betimes of the company, and disentangle ourselves from those violent opportunities that engage us elsewhere and separate us from ourselves. We must break the knot of our obligations. How strong soever and hereafter love this or that, but espouse nothing but ourselves. That is to say, let the remainder be our own, but not so joined and so close as not to be forced away without flaying us or tearing out part of our whole. The greatest thing in the world is for a man to know that he is his own. Tis time to wean ourselves from society when we can no longer add anything to it. He who is not in a condition to lend must forbid himself to borrow. Our forces begin to fail us. Let us call them in and concentrate them in and for ourselves. He that can cast off within himself and resolve the offices of friendship and company, let him do it. In this decay of nature, which renders him useless, burdensome, and importunate to others, let him take care not to be useless, burdensome, and importunate to himself. Let him soothe and caress himself, and above all things, be sure to govern himself with reverence to his reason and conscience, to that degree as to be ashamed to make a false step in their presence. You are to do like the beasts of chase, who efface the track at the entrance into their den. You are no more to concern yourself how the world talks to you, but how you are to talk to yourself. Retire yourself into yourself, but first prepare yourself there to receive yourself. It were a folly 
to trust yourself in your own hands if you cannot govern yourself. Quote, unquote, Lord Montaigne from the French Revolution days with some sage wisdom. And you could actually pull some psychological mental health concepts out of this ancient wisdom when he talks about if you're not able to govern yourself, then you become useless, burdensome to others. Others need to take responsibility for you. And if you're not in a possession in a position to lend, then you should be in a position where you are not capable of borrowing. And that is the entire libertarian versus statism conversation. The smallest form of property rights is to own yourself. So if you don't own yourself, if you don't own your thoughts and your actions, if you give up that ownership to some Leviathan, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-controlling government that controls you by controlling your mind. Do you see how this works, people? If you truly believe in freedom and liberty, you have to live it, breathe it, every single second, every minute of every day of your life. Now, there are times where you can trade off. You know, life isn't about solving problems. In the words of Thomas Sowell, you can solve problems by creating trade-offs. You know, maybe we can't come to uh, an agreement on the solution to some theoretical problem, right? But if you're willing to do or not do X, and I'm willing to not, to you know, to do or not do Y, then it's kind of like, you know, the free market. When two parties voluntarily cooperate, it benefits both parties involved. Nobody's taking advantage of anybody else. There's no theft. There's no exercising of force upon other people. What keeps control of the situation with others is your ability to control yourself. And that's what it's all about. That's what morality is about. That's what ethics are about. That's what principle is about. Honor, duty, responsibility, selflessness. Believe it or not, you're actually being a selfless person by being capable and developing your ability to control and govern yourself. I recently saw somebody tweet on the Twitter. Uh, They said, what do we need to uh, make the country more safe? You know, more guns, less guns, other, 
you know, they, they had all these little options you could choose from. And I commented, because it said on there, if you choose other, leave a comment what you mean. And so I said, less shitty people would be beneficial. <laughs> people suck. And that's, you know, when I talk shit about the left or when I talk shit about the right, or when I talk shit about anybody, it comes from a place of love because I know in my heart of hearts that you can be better, smarter, more aware, more connected, more educated, more humble, more courageous. I know that we all have the power to solve all of our problems. And all you got to do is change the way you look at it. Change your mind. Fix your fucked up, shitty outlook on things. Stop making excuses for yourself in your mind. Stop trying to put the blame on everybody and everything else other than yourself. Because you're too chicken shit to face the facts Face the reality, suffer the consequences for your actions, learn from those consequences, become a better, stronger person for it, and now look at you. Now you're walking around society being a better citizen because you own and control and govern yourself through morals, ethics, and principles. That's what this dying American society needs more of, in my opinion. We need more individuals taking control of their mind and hence taking control of their actions. Thoughts do not commit genocide. Actions commit genocide. And those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And that, of course, was Voltaire that said that. I love that quote. And, you know, another takeaway for me is, you know, I know so many people that cannot sit alone in a room comfortably I know people that the quality of their thoughts the the negativity that is their own self-talk the way they talk to themselves and maybe that was from trauma and abuse who knows I know it's easier said than done you know people say it's easier said than done Andrew when I you know give you the tough love talk and say look I know how bad it is. We've all been through some terrible things. You can push through it. You can be strong enough. You can get your mind right. And you can fix it and become happy and experience joy. And not be in high cortisol level fight or flight mode all the time. That's That and the stress that we experience, you know, it, you, we literally are killing ourselves because of the quality or lack of quality of our thoughts and our own self, self-talk. self If you're the type of person that can't sit alone in a room by yourself, 
you have a lot of thought work to do. You have a lot of diving into why you are the way that you are. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I know that's the most daunting task a lot of us think that we will ever face. But that's what I mean when I say it's you against you. You need to turn off all the external noise. And you you need to have, literally have, conversations with yourself in your own mind, working it out, figuring out why do you think this way? Why do you act this way? You know, do a cost-benefit analysis of all the things that you participate in in your life. And then maybe try to average out how you know, many hours of your day you experience happiness and joy and contentment. Where you're not stressed, you're not worried, you're not anxious. And you know what? I think a lot of this shit was made much, much worse with social media because as soon as all of us got to see the world give us their opinion of us. As soon as you get online and someone's in a comment section calling you names, calling you a piece of shit, telling you you're not worth nothing, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, maybe some of that is true. Maybe you don't know what you're talking about. But to but to call people names and to degrade them and humiliate them and make them feel bad, like where does that desire come from? That desire comes from a broken person. And the only way that that type of person can experience some sick, twisted, perverted form of joy or happiness maybe, I don't know, I don't know. maybe that's how it works, they, they have to tear other people down, make them feel weak and powerless and pathetic in order to have some sense of fulfillment. I mean, that is a shitty, shitty life, in my opinion. That is a cursed existence. That is living out a hell upon this earth, in my opinion. If you don't want to live in hell on earth, or hell in general, then you got to go to war with yourself. you got to fix your mind. you got to fix how you think about things. That's just, that's the solution. I'm giving you the solution. I know it's easier said than done. I know it's not easy to hear. It's not easy to internalize and accept that that is, in fact, the way you do it, the way you fix it, the way you solve your problems, the way you increase the quality of your life, the way you, honestly, capitalism, the way you increase your standard of living is by improving your ability to govern yourself And through so doing, improve your ability to communicate and connect with others. Uh, I'm going to move on. I'm going to read some Aldous Huxley, one of my faves, to you good fine people. Let's go deep today. Let's learn together. Okay? Here we go. The World is an Illusion by Aldous Huxley. The world is an illusion. 
but it is an illusion that we must take seriously because it is as real as it goes. And in those aspects of reality which we are capable of apprehending, our business is to wake up. We have to find ways in which to detect the whole of reality in the one illusory part which our self-centered consciousness permits us to see. We must not live thoughtlessly, taking our illusion for the complete reality, but at the same time we must not live too thoughtfully in the sense of trying to escape from the dream state. We must continually be on our watch for ways in which we may enlarge our consciousness. We must not attempt to live outside the world which is given to us, but we must somehow learn how to transform it and transfigure it. Too much wisdom is as bad as too little, and there must be no magic tricks. We must learn to come to reality without the enchanter's wand and his book of the words. <laughs> One must find a way of being in this world while not being in it. A way of living in time without being completely swallowed up by time. I like it. The quality of your world is directly correlated to the quality of your thoughts. That's what I mean when I say you got to look inwardly. You got to go to war with yourself. You have to self-reflect. You have to contemplate, etc. Uh, let's read this. This is from Sergei Yesenin. Uh, I'm not quite sure who that is. I'm going to have to go look that up. But I like this piece, Life is a Lie. Here we go. Life is a lie with enchanting anguish. And that's what makes it so powerful. With its crude hand, it writes lethal letters. Every time I close my eyes, I say, As soon as the heart is disturbed, life is a lie. But even life sometimes garnishes its deception with pleasures. Turn your face to the gray-haired sky. Try to read your fate in the moon. Calm yourself, mortal, and don't demand the truth you can't use. How good it feels in the blizzard of cherry blossoms to think that life is a road. Let frivolous darlings lie. Let frivolous friends betray. Whether a tender word touches me or a tongue cuts sharper than a razor blade, I'm ready for anything. Ruthlessly used to it all. I, I feel a chill from these heights. The fire of stars carries no heat. Those I loved have denied me. Those I lived for have forgotten me. Even so, 
repressed and persecuted, I greet the dawn with a smile. On this earth, so close and so beloved, and thank life for everything. Unquote. I love it. Gratitude. Being thankful for what you have. Focusing on the things that you have. The gifts that this life has given you. And maybe stop focusing so much on the things you don't have. Maybe find a way to shut up that envy and that jealousy and that desire to be someone else. Because you're too chicken shit to be yourself. This is from uh, Ray Bradbury, author of the book Fahrenheit 451. You should probably go pick that book up. Quote, If you don't want a man unhappy politically, don't give him two sides to question to worry him. Give him one. Better yet, give him none. Let him forget there is such a thing as war. If the government is inefficient, top-heavy, and tax-mad, better it be all those than that people worry over it. Give the people contests they win by remembering the words to more popular songs or the names of state capitals or how much corn Iowa grew last year. Cram them full of non-combustible data. Chalk them so damn full of quote-unquote facts that they feel stuffed but absolutely brilliant with information. Then they'll feel like they're thinking. They'll get a sense of motion without moving. And they'll be happy because facts of that sort don't change. Unquote. Ray Bradbury. I like that quote. Kind of reminds me of when I brought up in a previous show. um, I was talking about something along the lines of you know, that's what the media does, and that's what the, our education system does. It just fills you with so much useless knowledge. You know, stuff you're never going to apply in the real world in your life unless you pursued a career doing something that you utilized all that stuff. I mean, I, I understand the idea of a liberal education giving you a little bit of knowledge on a multiple on you know on multiple subjects but you know the money's in the specialization people that's why you know if you do what you love you never work a day in your life if you can figure out a way to make money doing what you love that's it it doesn't even matter how much money you make you you are a successful person at that point in my opinion because your quality of life is almost more valuable than the almighty dollar I would argue. I'm sure a lot of you would tend to agree with that. And even some of the people that agree with that are still the type of people that are out there chasing that almighty dollar. Money makes the world go round, right? It's also the root of all evil. 
Here's a quote from Hunter S. Thompson. Quote, the real horror to me lies in the fact that there is absolutely no vehicle in American journalism for the kind of sensitive and intellectual and essentially moral, merciless reporting that we all understand is necessary, not only for the survival of good journalism in this country, but for the dying idea that you can walk up to a newsstand and find something that will tell you what is really happening, unquote. Hunter S. Thompson got it, people. Here's William James, the greatest discovery of any generation is that a human can alter his life by altering his attitude. That reminds me of uh, Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. You know, thoughts become things, right? Is, you know, alchemy real? Can you really transmutate, you know, matter into something new? Interesting stuff. Here's Thomas Paine. He that would make his own liberty secure must guard even his enemy from oppression. For if he violates this duty, he establishes a precedent that will reach to himself. That was Thomas Paine from Revolution. Um, think about that, people. What do I always say? Got to have the best intentions of the whole in mind. You got to do what's best for people. And maybe you don't know what's best for people, and you probably don't know what's best for everybody because that's how you become a megalomaniac demagogue that thinks that they have the answers to everybody's questions, right? But if you don't give a shit about anybody else and all you care about is yourself, you're going to live a very, very lonely life. Actually, you know, maybe not. Maybe you're a social butterfly piece of shit. <laughs> and you can chameleon your way into any environment. I know people that have to be around other people all the time. They can't sit by themselves in a room with their own thoughts. That's very, very difficult for <laughs> you know those of us with ginormous, gigantic egos. Here's uh, Dave Smith and <laughs> uh, Dave Smith. I mean, right to the point. Quote, what does the term extremist even mean when the people who advocated for endless wars of aggression, torture, mass spying, banker bailouts, lockdowns, vaccinating six-month-olds, destroying the currency, and giving puberty blockers to 10-year-olds are considered moderates, unquote. <laughs> Boy, hashtag perspective, wouldn't you say? Here's uh, Eric Fromm. Quote, most people are not even aware of their need to conform. They live under the illusion that they follow their own ideas and inclinations that they are individualists 
that they have arrived at their opinions as the result of their own thinking. And yet, it just happens that their ideas are the same as those of the majority, unquote. Just so happens. That reminds me of that Mark Twain quote, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. <laughs> uh, here's another Franz Kafka quote. Quote, don't bend. Don't water it down. Don't try to make it logical. Don't edit your own soul according to the fashion. Rather, follow your most intense obsessions mercilessly. I like that. Here's a, a Michael Parenti quote. All conservative ideologies justify existing inequalities as the natural order of things. Inevitable outcomes of human nature. If the very rich are naturally so much more capable than the rest of us, why must they be provided with so many artificial privileges under the law, so many bailouts, subsidies, and other special considerations at our expense? Their naturally superior talents include unprincipled and illegal subterfuge, such as price-fixing, stock manipulation, insider trading, training, I'm sorry, insider trading, fraud, tax evasion, the legal enforcement of unfair competition, ecological spoliation, harmful products and unsafe work conditions. One might expect naturally superior people not to act in such rapacious and venal ways. Differences in talent and capacity, as might exist between individuals, do not excuse the crimes and injustices that are endemic to the corporate business system. Unquote. Michael Parenti. Michael Parenti, sir, I agree with all that. My only criticism is... It should say all conservative and leftist ideologies justify existing inequalities as the natural order of things. And if you disagree with that, you are a hypocrite. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, there are inevitable outcomes in society because of human nature. Absolutely. But the existing order is the way it is not because of conservative ideologies. It is the way it is because of the two party big club establishment parties. Your only options are controlled options. People. You gotta get this left-right paradigm out of your heads. It's fucking with your brain. Get rid of it. <laughs> Spit it out. You know what I'm saying? You gotta get rid of it. You gotta walk away. Walk away, people. Walk away from the two-party system. What's keeping you there? I think you're delusional. 
in the words of Lewis Black, I think you're seeing something that isn't there. And we call that hallucinating. (laughs) Or being brainwashed by the mainstream media propaganda, people. At some point, we need to quit asking who needs to pay more taxes and focus on where the hell all of our tax money is going. Yeah. Yeah. I love it when I hear people say, oh, well, we just need to raise taxes. We need to tax the right people. Tax, tax, tax. Why do we need tax? Why do we need tax? Do we need tax? Why can't we have voluntary taxation? But how much tax are, I mean, where do you draw the line? Where do they draw the line when you're giving so much money away to the government and they're unaccountable? They can spend your money however they want. They don't give you a P&L. They don't give you any type of information about where your money went. I mean, for like 70 cents a day, you can sponsor a kid in Africa, right? And they give you a picture of him or her, tell, tell you their life story, tell you how much you know your contribution is making their life better and, and supporting them. <laughs> You know, and a lot of that tax money disappears magically. Remember Rumsfeld the day before 9-11? Couldn't explain where multiple, you know, trillion dollars allegedly uh, just so happened to have vanished from Pentagon coffers. I mean, (laughs) we don't have a taxation problem, people. We have a government spending problem. We have an unaccountable federal government supported by fiat currency, unaccountable organizations like the Federal Reserve Bank. Oh, boy. Um, So I've been thumbing through Jonathan Haidt's uh, book, The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. And I found some cool little quotes here. I'm going to share them with you now. This one's from Carl Jung. I despise politics wholeheartedly. Even in my own country, I am uninterested in politics because I am convinced that 99% of politics are mere symptoms and anything but a cure for all social evils. About 50% of politics is definitely obnoxious inasmuch as it poisons the utterly incompetent mind of the masses. (laughs) Unquote. Mic drop, Carl Jung. I love it. And here's uh, Jonathan Haidt from his book. Quote, People bind themselves into political teams that share moral narratives. Once they accept a particular narrative, they become blind to alternative moral worlds. Our moral thinking is much more like a politician searching for votes than a scientist searching for truth. Boy, I got goosebumps from that one. That is a great book, people. You gotta go read The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, author of The Coddling of the American Mind. Remember, I've been over that previous show. Here we go, Eric Fromm. Quote, Man today... Wearing a mask 
I'm sorry, wearing the mask of a giant has become a weak, helpless being, dependent on the machines he made, and hence on the leaders who guarantee the proper functioning of the society that produces these machines, dependent on a well-functioning business, frightened to death of losing all the props of being a man without rank and without title, of just being, of being challenged by the question, who am I? Unquote. You guys know I've asked you that question multiple times on this podcast. Here's a Henry Miller quote. The wisdom of age constitutes the ability to accept reality, which is the knowledge of certain death, substantial, personal, individual extinction. It no longer seeks to disguise the fundamental cruelty and terror of life because it is too weary for further struggle. It is not the acceptance of destiny so much as it is the succumbing to it. Old age sees beyond the illusions, too weary to deny any more the ultimate truths, unquote. Man. Henry Miller. Here's uh, D.H. Lawrence, quote, I don't intend my books for the generality of readers. I count it a mistake of our mistaken democracy that every man who can read print is allowed to believe that he can read all that is printed. I count it a misfortune that serious books are exposed in the public market like slaves exposed naked for sale. But there we are. Since we live in an age of mistaken democracy, we must go through with it. Our vision, our belief, our metaphysic is wearing woefully thin and the art is wearing absolutely threadbare. We have no future neither for our hopes, nor our aims, nor our, our art. It has all gone gray and opaque. We've got to rip the old veil of a vision across and find what the heart really believes in, after all, and what the heart really wants for the next future. And we've got to put down put it down in terms of belief and of knowledge and then go forward again to the fulfillment in life and art unquote boy there's a lot to unpack in there my first thought was it kind of sounds like he's making the case for a new world religion you know are are the world planner big club members do they actually have some good ideas, people? Is the Great Reset and the New World Order actually going to be a more awesome, enjoyable existence for the human being? Is getting plugged into the Matrix better? 
than being able to walk around a free, sovereign individual on this planet. You know what I mean? That's where a lot of the differences in political ideas come from, too. It's Some of us are just built differently and choose different things and want different things and value different things. And that's okay. You got to be tolerant. You have to be accepting. You have to let people be who they are. And if you can't do that, then maybe freedom isn't for you. Maybe you should be living in a controlled and dominated society where your, you know, owners, your government officials tell you what you're going to do, where you got to be, how you're going to live. They just take the choice issue, the choice anomaly, right out of the equation. You don't have to worry about making all those decisions that give you all that anxiety and fear and frustration. Average, everyday American, plebeian, prole, proletariat person, serf, (laughs) slave. You know what I mean? That's the question, people. Do you want to be in control of your own life and make your own decisions? Or do you want to bow at the feet of benevolent overlords that you're going to give power attorney to to make all your decisions for you so that you don't have to? Here, here's entertainment. Here's bread and circuses. You don't have to leave your house. Just plug into the digital world. You can, you know, order anything you need off Amazon. We'll bring it to your front door. You can order any, you know, food item through DoorDash. We'll bring it to your front door. You don't have to leave your house and go out into the world. You can just live in this digital fantasy land. You don't need to know your neighbor. You don't need to connect with other human beings. You can connect with other human beings through your digital avatars. In this fantasy world of make-believe known as the metaverse. That's coming. Here's George Bernard Shaw. Quote, I tell you that as long as I can conceive something better than myself, I cannot be easy unless I am striving to bring it into existence or clearing the way for it. That is the law of my life. That is the working within me of life's incessant aspiration to higher organization, wider, deeper, intenser self-consciousness, and clearer self-understanding. It was the supremacy of this purpose that reduced love for me to the mere pleasure of a moment. Unquote. Wow, that's deep. Yeah. No intelligent mind ever existed without a touch of madness, right? (laughs) Oh, man. Here's a Herman Hess quote. I surrender to my inability to comprehend the ultimate meaning of life, but I am willing to sense it, even if it requires sacrificing myself. You cannot force this faith on anyone, not even yourself. But it can become experience. The absence 
of this felt faith is usually replaced by beliefs in a church or in science or in patriotism or socialism, some kind of refuge where conventional moralities, conformist programs, and standardized recipes are dispersed. Certified affiliations, lifelong membership cards to organize social structures, guarantee a false comfort, the illusion of security, and the illusionary ticket to salvation. Unquote. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm going to say to that, people. If you want to know the truth, you have to look inwardly. All of the answers you seek are already inside of you. You just have to find a way to unlock them. Here's another quote by Carl Jung. Self-knowledge is an adventure that carries us unexpectedly far and deep. Even a moderately comprehensive knowledge of the shadow can cause a good deal of confusion and mental darkness. Since it gives rise to personality problems which one had never remotely imagined before. For this reason alone, we can understand why the alchemists called their melancholy the black blacker than black. Unquote. Wow. Some of these philosophers get deep and dark. I mean, this is like borderline Nietzsche stuff right here. The Ubermensch. Uh, you know, wow. Man. This stuff twists my brain in knots. <laughs> oh, boy. Here's a guy named Matthias Desmet. You've uh, heard uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Malone talk about him in the past. Quote, Another consequence that is very typical for totalitarian states is that people become radically intolerant for dissonant voices. Because if someone tells another story, if someone claims that the official story is wrong, then this person threatens to wake the people up and they will get angry because they're confronted with the initial anxiety and the initial psychological discontent. So they direct all that aggression at these dissonant voices, at the other voices. And at the same time, they are radically tolerant for their leaders, for the people who pronounce the mainstream narrative. These people can actually cheat and lie and manipulate and do everything they want. But they will always be forgiven by the crowd because the crowd seems to think that they do it for their own sake. That's also the main part of a mechanism known as mass formation psychosis. Unquote. People, mass formation psychosis. Go look it up. Write a term paper on it and uh, drop it in my box for grading. Okay? Homework assignment. <laughs> 
everything I talk about on this podcast and have talked about on this podcast since episode one is basically about mass formation psychosis, what it is, how it affects you, me, all of us, every day of our lives. (laughs) Here's uh, Soren Kierkegaard. Quote, Being too busy has this result, that an individual very, very rarely is permitted to form a heart. On the other hand, the thinker, the poet, or the religious personality who actually has formed his heart will never be popular. Not because he is difficult, but because it demands quiet and prolonged working with oneself and intimate knowledge of oneself, as well as a certain isolation. Unquote. People, I told you, seeking the truth is a blessing and a curse. Here's another Henry Miller quote. Write honestly, even if poorly. Throw your dictionary away. If you can't make words fuck, don't masturbate them. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Try to forget everything you learned in college. First, ask yourself if you have anything to say. Don't draw the pen unless you are ready for the kill. Whew. I love that. And he goes on, writing, like life itself, is a voyage of discovery. The adventure is a metaphysical one. It is a way of approaching life indirectly, of acquiring a total rather than a partial view of the universe. The writer leaves, I'm sorry, the writer lives between the upper and lower worlds. He takes the path in order eventually to become that path himself, unquote. Boy, he's talking about intellectual curiosity and intellectual honesty right there. He's talking about knowing and seeing the big picture and not just a partial view of the universe, which is what you, me, all of us are getting from propaganda and government. Government messaging, commercials, TV shows, movies, yada, yada, etc., etc. Here's one from Rabindranath Tagore. Discipline divorced from wisdom is not true discipline, discipline, but merely the meaningless following of custom, which is only a disguise for stupidity. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Here's um, Carl Jung one more time. Only that which can destroy itself is truly alive. I like this one, Ludwig Feuerbach. I would rather be a devil in allegiance with truth than an angel in allegiance with falsehood. Man, 
That one's kind of a gut punch, huh? Mark Twain, the worst loneliness is to not be comfortable with yourself. (laughs) Gotta look inwardly, people. I'm telling you. The only way out is through. (laughs) You gotta go through it. You gotta feel it. You gotta suffer it. You gotta process it. And then you have to make decisions. You have to take action. Consciously. Decide. To go the way you want to go. And don't let your habits keep you from going the way you want to go. Here's Chris Hedges. We've bought into the idea that education is about training and success. Defined monetarily. Rather than learning to think critically and to challenge We should not forget that the true purpose of education is to make minds, not careers. A culture that does not grasp the vital interplay between morality and power, which mistakes management techniques for wisdom, which fails to understand that the measure of a civilization is its compassion, not its speed or ability to consume, condemns itself to death. And that's from his book Empire of Illusion. Chris Hedges. Reminds me of uh, The Terminator when the AI robot Arnold Schwarzenegger comes back from the you know the future to terminate. <laughs> and the the kid, the young John Connor, asks him you know what happened to humanity and, and you know what happened what what made the machines take over and he said it's in your nature to destroy yourselves what do you think about that people is it in our human nature to destroy ourselves a cynical mercenary demagogic press will in time produce a people as base as itself, quote-unquote, Joseph Pulitzer, a publisher and politician. Pulitzer Award for Journalism, does that name ring a bell, people? I love that quote. If the, if the, if the press is cynical mercenaries that are demagogic, demagogues, That behavior will in time produce a people, a citizenry, as base level as itself. Boy. I love it. That's pretty much what the mainstream media is doing. It's creating a society as base as itself. Devoid of decency, morality, honesty. Oh, man. It's the, ban- the mainstream media is the bane of my existence. I, it's so obvious what, what is happening. Ugh. Henry Miller, the absence of newspapers, the absence of news about what men are doing in different parts of the world to make life more livable or unlivable is the greatest single boon. If we could just eliminate newspapers, a great advance would be made. I am sure of it. Newspapers engender lies hatred, 
greed, envy, suspicion, fear, malice. We don't need the truth as it is dished up to us in the daily papers. We need peace and solitude and idleness. If we could all go on strike and honestly disavow all interest in what our neighbor is doing, we might get a new lease on life. We might learn to do without telephones and radios and newspapers, without machines of any kind, without factories, without mills, without mines, without explosives, battleships, politicians, lawyers, canned goods, gadgets, razor blades, even or cellophane or cigarettes or money. I know this is a pipe dream, I know. People only go on strike for better working conditions, better wages, better opportunities to become something other than who they truly are. Unquote. Are you a victim? Are you do you have the victim slave mentality? Or do you understand what freedom and liberty and individual sovereignty and enlightenment principles are all about. I highly recommend we all learn the difference. Because all that enlightenment stuff is going away with postmodernism. And it's almost gone, <laughs> in my humble opinion. Here's Lee Goldberg, author and screenwriter. Standing up for what you believe in comes at a price, but backing down exacts a toll that your soul never stops paying. Man. Standing up for what you believe in comes at a price, people. But backing down exacts a toll that your soul never stops paying. And that's what the big club world planners are attacking, people. Your soul. Your courage. Your love for one another. You can't give up. You can't give in. Or we will all be slaves once again, very soon. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Thomas Jefferson, people. And here's Bertrand Russell. I think I'm going to be done with the quotes for today. As soon as we abandon our own reason, and are content to rely upon authority, there is no end to our troubles. And that reminds me of that Gerald Massey quote. I got one more. They must find it difficult. Those who have taken authority as the truth instead of truth as the authority 
Actually, you know what? I lied. I got a few more for you. I want to read this Nietzsche uh, clip on fear and conformity. The concept of greatness entails being noble, wanting to be by oneself, being able to be different, standing alone, and having to live independently. A traveler who had seen many countries, peoples, and several of the Earth's continents was asked what attribute he had found in men everywhere. He said, they have a propensity for laziness. To others, it seems that he should have said, they are all fearful. They hide themselves behind customs and opinions. And I've said previously on the show, people, what are the two most universal human characteristics, fear and laziness. And that came from the Austin, Texas uh, professor who had a clip in Richard Linklater's movie, Waking Life. Go check out that flick. In his heart, every man knows quite well that being unique, he will be in the world only once and that there will be no second chance for his oneness to coalesce from the strangely variegated assortment that he is. He knows it, but hides it like a bad conscience. And why? From fear of his neighbor, who demands conformity and cloaks himself with it? But what is it that constrains the individual to fear his neighbor, to think and act like a member of a herd, and to have no joy in himself? Modesty, perhaps, in a few rare cases. With the great majority, it is indolence, inertia. In short, that tendency to laziness of which the traveler spoke. He is right. Men are even lazier than they are timid, and fear most of all the inconveniences with which unconditional honesty and nakedness would burden them. Mm-mm-mm. Artists alone hate this sluggish promenading in borrowed fashions and appropriated opinions, and they reveal everyone's secret bad conscience. The law that every man is a unique miracle. They dare to show us man as he is, uniquely himself to every last movement of his muscles, more that in being thus strictly consistent in uniqueness, in uniqueness, he is beautiful and worth regarding, and in no way tedious. When the great thinker despises mankind, he despises laziness, for it is on account of their laziness that men seem like factory products, things of no consequence and unworthy to be associated with or instructed. Some of us just aren't savable. (laughs) I've said many times. The man who does not wish to belong to the mass needs only to cease taking himself easily. Let him follow his conscience, which calls to him, Be yourself. 
all you are now doing, thinking, desiring, is not you yourself. That was Crazy Pants Nietzsche. I know for those of you that know Nietzsche's history and past, he might not be the guy with the best ideas, but he definitely has some ideas on being yourself, diving into yourself, developing yourself, realizing your full potential, yada, yada, etc., etc. Here's one from Charles Bukowski. Uh, Bukowski, I wanted to read Beasts Bounding Through Time. Here we go. Van Gogh writing his brother for paints, Hemingway testing his shotgun, Celine going broke as a doctor of medicine, the impossibility of being human, villain expelled from Paris for being a thief, Faulkner drunk in the gutters of his town. The impossibility of being human. Burroughs killing his wife with a gun. Mailer stabbing his. The impossibility of being human. Maupassant going mad in a rowboat. Dostoevsky lined up against a wall to be shot. Crane off the back of a boat into the propeller. The impossibility. Sylvia with her head in the oven like a baked potato. Harry Crosby leaping into that black sun. Lorca murdered in the road by Spanish troops. The impossibility of being human. Artaud sitting on a madhouse bench. Chatterton drinking rat poison. Shakespeare a plagiarist. Beethoven with the horn stuck into his head against deafness. The impossibility. The impossibility of being human. Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, gone totally mad. All too human. This breathing in and out, out and in. These punks, these cowards, these champions. These mad dogs of glory moving this little bit of light toward us impossibly. Man, I love that one. If that doesn't take you down a psychedelic mind, fuck, I don't know what will. Charles Bukowski, people. Okay, now I promise. I only got a couple more. I promise. I'm almost done. I know this is getting long. Here we go. Being, I'm sorry, Breaking Free from the Cultural Neuroses by Dr. Alexander Lowen. We want to be more alive and feel more, but we are afraid of it. Our fear of life is seen in the same way we keep, I'm sorry, our fear of life is seen in the way we keep busy so as not to feel keep running so as not to face ourselves or get high on liquor or drugs so as not to sense our being. Because we are afraid of life, we seek to control or master it. 
We believe that it is bad or dangerous to be carried away by our emotions. The modern individual is committed to being successful, not to being a person. He belongs rightly to the action generation, whose motto is, do more but feel less. This attitude characterizes much of modern sexuality, more action but less passion. If we can face our inner emptiness, we will find fulfillment. Is it the fate of modern man to be neurotic? To be afraid of life? My answer is yes. If we define modern man as a member of a culture whose dominant values are power and progress. The neurotic individual is in conflict with himself. Part of his being is to try to overcome another part. His ego is trying to master his body, his rational mind to control his feelings, his will to overcome his fears and anxieties. Neurosis is internal conflict. The neurotic character takes many forms, but of all of them, involve a struggle in the individual between what he is and what he believes he should be. Every neurotic individual is caught in this struggle. When guilt or shame are attached to feelings, the conflict is internalized and creates a neurotic character. According to Freud, the neurotic character represents an inability to adapt to the cultural situation. He recognizes that civilization denies the individual full instinctual gratification. But he believed that this denial was necessary for cultural progress. In effect, he accepted the idea that it was the fate of modern man to be unhappy. The cultural process that gave rise to modern society and modern man was the development of the ego. Mm-mm-mm. This development is associated with the, acquis- the acquisition of knowledge and the gaining of power over nature, which we have achieved. I call it the tyranny of convenience. Man is part of nature like any other animal, fully subject to her laws, but he is also above nature acting upon and controlling her. He does the same with his own nature. Part of his personality, the ego, turns against the animal part, the body. The antithesis between ego and body produces a dynamic tension that furthers the growth of culture, but it also contains a destructive potential. Given his culture and the character it produces, what is the fate of modern man? If the story of Oedipus can serve as a prophecy, it is a prophecy of achieving the success and power one seeks, only to find one's world coming apart or breaking down. If success is measured by material possessions, as it is in the industrialized countries, 
and power by the ability to do and go through uh, through machines and energy. The most, I'm sorry, most people in the Western world have both success and power. The collapse of their world is the impoverishment of their inner or emotional lives. Having committed themselves to success and power, they have little else to live for. And like Oedipus, they have become wanderers on the earth, uprooted to, uh, I'm sorry, uprooted beings who can find no peace anywhere. The challenge to modern man is to reconcile the antithetical aspects in his personality. On the body level, he is an animal. On the ego level, a would-be god. The fate of the animal is death, which the ego, in its godlike aspirations, is trying to avoid. But in trying to avoid this fate, man creates an even worse one, namely to live in fear of life. That's what we do, my fellow Americans. We live in fear of life, afraid to experience this life, this human condition to its fullest. When one stops struggling against fate, one loses his neurosis or internal conflict and gains peace of mind. The result is a different attitude. No fear of life expressed in a different character and associated with a different fate. Failure seems to mean submission to an acceptable fate, but actually it amounts to self-acceptance, which makes change possible. Self-acceptance makes change possible. To the degree that most people in Western culture are struggling to be different, they are, by definition, neurotic. And since this is the fight one can't win, all who engage in this struggle will fail. Strangely, through the acceptance of failure, we become free from our neurosis. That was Dr. Alexander Lowen with a written work entitled Breaking Free from the Cultural Neurosis. And I got one more for you. And I got to end with this because it's perfect. Arthur Schopenhauer. I've talked to you about the three phases of truth. In the past, first truth is mocked and ridiculed and persecuted. And then it kind of becomes part of the cultural consciousness, becomes the status quo through a very tumultuous process of being torn apart by many attempts from many avenues, many people. But then one day, step three, it is accepted as truth. 
that's basically the road a lot of conspiracy theories take. It's first mocked and slandered, and then it's kind of um, rationed out into the public consciousness, and then one day, magically, you wake up, and it's considered absolute truth, fact, reality. Isn't it funny how that works? (laughs) Here we go. Let's end with this written work from Arthur Schopenhauer entitled Will to Live. It is incredible how meaningless and insignificant when seen from without and how dull and senseless when felt from within is the course of life of the great majority of men. It is weary, longing, and worrying, a dream-like staggering through the four ages of life to death, accompanied by a series of trivial thoughts. They are like clockwork that is wound up and goes without knowing why. Every time a man is begotten and born, the clock of human life is wound up anew. To repeat once more its same old tune that has already been played innumerable times, movement by movement and measure by measure, with insignificant variations. Every individual, every human apparition, and its course of life is only one more short dream of the endless spirit of nature, of the persistent will to live, is only one more fleeting form, playfully sketched by its own, I'm sorry, playfully sketched by it on its infinite page, space and time. It is allowed to exist for a short while that is infinitesimal compared with these and is then effaced to make new room. Yet, and here, is to be found the serious side of life. Each of these fleeting forms, these empty fancies, must be paid for by the whole will to live in all its intensity with many deep sorrows and finally with a bitter death long feared and finally made manifest it is for this reason that the sight of a corpse suddenly makes us serious my fellow Americans we're all gonna die one day So stop living your life like you're going to live forever. The only way you're going to live forever is if you buy in to the transhumanism, man merging with machine, AI, Elon Musk, World Economic Forum, big club plan for the world. Because they're working on it, my fellow Americans. They're working on living forever. But do you think they're going to take you on that ride? <laughs> or do you think they're going to leave you behind on that, on that failed planet that was Earth? What does life mean to you? What is the purpose for your be- being here? We are thrust 
naked into this world by no choice of our own. You are a chance occurrence. Miraculous, some would say. That's a big responsibility, don't you think? Don't you think there's probably a purpose for you to be here? And if you're not looking for your purpose, aren't you doing what all these philosophers warned against? Aren't you walking through life confused, worthless, useless, disillusioned, retreating from reality and facing yourself through, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, maybe any type of addiction, sugar, right? Whatever gets your mind a little dopamine hit, a little serotonin hit for a little while so that you can escape reality. I've been over that. I've said that many times on this show. People that get addicted to things that have addiction issues, they're not addicted to the act of doing whatever their addiction is. They're addicted to escaping the fucked up shitty reality, the remorseless existence the unmerciful facts of life that we all must face as human beings walking around on this planet. So don't you think if you're going to fight for anything, if you're going to expend the energy in search of a goal in hopes of achieving your goals, don't you think it's probably got to start with getting yourself right and correct first so that when you embark on your journey, when you begin your quest, you're doing it for the right reasons. It's coming from the right place. And if you truly, honestly feel that way, if, if that's how the conversation with yourself that you've been having if that's how it goes, then my fellow Americans, congratulations. Getting away from that ego and diving into the infinite, into the spiritual. That's how you begin your quest. People, it's time to play some punk rock. It's time to play some punk rock. And today I'm going to feature a band on Allegedly Records. And they are called The Snipped. Do you suddenly find yourself middle-aged, but still stuck on the same music from the 90s? Or maybe you wear New Balance sneakers during your afternoon chores but still lace up your Chuck Taylors later that Saturday evening. Sound familiar? Well then, do we have a band for you. This seasoned foursome hail from central Pennsylvania and add their dad core flavor 
to the lineup here at Allegedly Records, known for their catchy riffs and high-energy live performances, they aren't just for dads. So mow your yard, grab your friends, and check out some fun dad core. <laughs> so these guys are known as The Snipped, and I'm going to play a song off of their first record entitled Tales from the Workbench. And I really like the lyrics to this song. Uh, and once you hear this, you will understand why. I love this chorus. It says, y'all need to unite against the coming enemy, the ones that drive the wedges and hold us back from being free. Ladies and gentlemen, making their debut on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast, here's The Snipped with their song, Goddamn Shame.
right, people, that was Goddamn Shame by the band The Snipped. And you can check them out at allegedlyrecords.com along with all of the amazing punk rock and ska artists on the label. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com, buy a t-shirt, donate to the show, read the show notes, click on the link to my SoundCloud page, check out my music, click on the link to patreon.com slash andrew4america, become a My Fellow American subscriber for $3 a month. And I'm going to give you a bunch of cool stuff over there. And that's it, people. Thanks again. As always, I appreciate my continued support. Uh, your continued support. Uh, I, I, I'm flattered. I, I love that you guys are liking the show. Uh, my viewership, my viewership, well, viewership if uh, you're on Patreon and you can see my ugly mug over there. But listenership, my listenership is growing. And it warms my heart, makes me feel good. I hope you guys have a great holiday season. And uh, I don't know, I guess prepare to dig in for the dark winter. Uh, 2023 is right around the corner. Lots of people prophesizing uh, various things to begin to occur in the year 2023. So we shall see (laughs) what the future holds for the good old U.S. of A. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. As always, good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 124 of the Politics and Punk Rock podcast entitled Poetic Outlaws. We'll see you next time.